The second night of a back-to-back -back in the NBA sucks. Get rid of it. I'm considering creating a petition and sending it to Commissioner Adam Silver saying no more back-to-back -back games. And I think there are a lot of NBA players, certainly some members of the Sacramento Kings, that would consider signing it. The only people who like back-to-back -back games are selfish fans who just want to watch their team play two nights in a row. And you know what? I can completely relate to that. I love watching the Kings play two nights in a row. Are you kidding me? I love the three games in four nights. For my entertainment, my selfishness, yes, more Kings basketball in a smaller period of time. But unfortunately for paying fans who piled into the Golden 1 Center tonight and paid to be here, they were treated to a Kings team that seemed to be a little out of energy after their epic comeback over the Golden State Warriors here in the Golden 1 Center last night. For the second straight back-to-back, -back, the Kings are on the wrong end of a blowout, and we're breaking down the loss right here on Locked on Kings. You are Locked on Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time, time for another episode of Locked on Kings. Hello and welcome into Locked On Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all season long. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I'm a Sacramento sports anchor and reporter for ABC 10 News. Back-to-backs are just the way it is in the NBA, right? In order to fit 82 games into uh, the NBA calendar season, plus they get all their playoffs in and they all start breaking and everything in between, back-to-backs are just a requirement. Every team has to go through it. Now, some teams, of course, face back-to-backs more than others. And when the schedule comes out every year, teams immediately look to see how many back-to-backs they have compared to their competition. Typically, the Kings end up being on the higher end of back-to-backs, and I broke that all down when the season came out or the schedule came out earlier this year. You can go back and go through that breakdown talking about back-to-backs and the Kings having the disadvantage on back-to-backs versus the advantage and everything like that. It's just the way it is. And in reality, as much as I'm having fun in the intro about, hey, send a petition to the NBA, get rid of back-to-backs and all that, I mean, you can't. They just are what they are, and they're not an excuse for any team, right? There's a fine line between making an excuse and pointing out the obvious, which is on the second night of a back-to-back, -back, for some teams, it's it's certainly a disadvantage, especially when you're taking on a team like the Kings did tonight, taking on a rested Clippers team who didn't play the night before with the high intensity uh, of an NBA game, 48 minutes, the exertion on the body, plus the pace that the Sacramento Kings play at and the physicality that they want to try to play at that has an effect on a team. And it's hard to turn around less than 24 hours later and go right back to it and try and win another game in the NBA against any team, let alone a team as talented as the Los Angeles Clippers are. So sure, you know, perfect world, you would never have to play on the second night of a back-to-back, -back, but that's not the reality of the NBA. So the Kings need to figure out a better way to handle back-to-backs because so far in the two back-to-backs that they've played this season, they've been on the wrong side of two blowouts. Now, tonight's game which they lost to the Clippers 131 to 117, significantly better than the first blowout loss on the second night of a back-to-back, -back, which happened in New Orleans. That was their worst loss of the season. They were absolutely beaten down after defeating the Dallas Mavericks on the road the night before. So at least the Kings didn't get blitzed by 30 or 40-plus here uh, in their own arena, although at times it looked like it was going to get to that. The Kings trailed by 24 points last night in their comeback win over the Golden State Warriors. Tonight, they trailed by as much 
as 25. Now, with about six and a half minutes remaining, the closest they got, they got it down to 13. Malik Monk hit a three. It was the loudest pop of the night for the Golden 1 center crowd. There was still time for the Kings to make a run. Credit to the Los Angeles Clippers. They cut things off right there. A lot of that had to do with Kawhi Leonard and the night that he had. He was big, scoring over 30 points for the Clippers. James Harden has a, had a really big night. He scored 17 of his 24 points uh, in the first quarter. So credit to the Los Angeles Clippers. They took full advantage of the Kings and their lack of energy in tonight's game. They looked fresh. They hit their shots. Uh, they did not let the Kings go on any kind of run and made sure to nip it at the bud. Uh, so I give them absolutely full credit tonight. As much as I enjoyed the Kings coming back from 24 down against the, 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 the Warriors last night and winning that game, you don't want that to become a habit. Right, like I, I, I loved seeing it. It was fun to experience. I don't want to experience it again. Right, I would love for the Sacramento Kings to be consistently the team that's up by 24 points, not necessarily blowing leads, but up by 24 points, not in a 24-point hole. And I don't want to see the Kings consistently falling into double-digit leads early on and having to fight their way and claw their way back. Even if they're able to do so, the Cardiac Kings, right? That was a nickname that this team adopted a handful of years ago and elements of that still exist for this team today. They can make comebacks and, and make runs in the fourth quarter and sometimes steal wins like they did last night. You don't want that to become your identity. And two back-to-back -back games is a small sample size. They're certainly going to have more over the course of this season. As much as I, I don't understand the exertion on your body, the physical toll, and even the mental toll of back-to-back -back games on a player. I'm not a player. I'm not an NBA athlete, so I'm not even going to pretend to understand. All I know is that you can't be getting blown out every time you're playing a second night of a back-to-back. -back. And so far, that's all we've seen from the Kings uh, in the back-to-backs that they've uh, they've played. Sasha Vizenkov, after the game, he said, and the term that he used were, the Kings were emotionally empty. And he said it was pretty obvious in the way that they played. He said, with the emotions of the NBA in-season tournament comeback win over the Warriors and how that game played out and the Kings hitting the, the game winner from Malik Monk and, and Draymond Green firing up the crowd and getting a, a, a technical foul, which the Kings could have used Draymond Green to come back to Sacramento tonight to help fire up this crowd at one point tonight too. Like, it made sense what Sasha was saying. Like, this team just looked a little bit spent. Like, it, it looked like they needed kind of a day to not relax, but to recoup and to, to, to gather themselves, even though they're celebrating a win, not coming off of a bad loss. Like, it looked like they needed 24 hours just to process what happened, kind of get refreshed, and then tackle a team like the Los Angeles Clippers. Unfortunately, the schedule did not give that to them, and it looked like really from the get-go that Sacramento was just a little bit spent. That's not an excuse. That doesn't mean that that's okay. If the Kings want to be a good team, excuse me, if the Kings want to be a great team in the NBA, because Mike Brown is all about getting this team from good to great. If they want to be great, it doesn't matter the circumstances of the first game of a back-to-back. -back. It doesn't matter where you're playing or who you're playing on the second night of a back-to-back. -back. To, to some extent, you can play your style of basketball. You can be fresh enough and find a way to win those games despite the schedule odds stacked against you. That's something that this Kings team still has not been able uh, to figure out yet. The Kings did have three days rest before these back-to-back -back games. So if you want to take that and say it's not an excuse to me that the Kings are tired and, 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 didn't, and looked as emotionally spent and physically spent tonight as they did because they had three days to, to get ready for these back-to-back -back games, they knew it was coming, 
I guess I understand that. Again, I don't understand the physical or emotional exertion. And I promise you, nobody in that Kings locker room was making an excuse. Quite the opposite. Sasha Vizenkov, De'Aaron Fox, both saying like, yeah, that's not an excuse. Mike Brown, not using it as an excuse. The Kings know that they have to find ways to consistently win these games. It doesn't mean that they're not going to lose bad uh, ones from time to time. And it's somewhat fitting that a couple of their worst losses of the season so far have come on the second night of a back-to-back where there's a at least a, a bit of a reason or an explanation behind it. Of course, they had that bad loss in Houston, that second bad loss in Houston with a day off in between. That one's not as good, right? But at least for the most part, what we're seeing from the Kings is, and what we saw from the Kings tonight hasn't been who they are. I mean, they're, they're still 10-7 and seven, uh, on the season, still off to a very good start uh, so far this year. So even though I was certainly frustrated watching aspects of this game watching that king's uh, that king's energy and, and honestly like it was very weird i was watching this game and, and it was making me tired not from a standpoint of man look at these athletes work i'm exhausted for them it was like man there's just such little energy from the kings and therefore from the golden one center crowd it sounded like a library at times in this golden one center tonight it was hard for the king's crowd to get involved and create energy when their team was struggling to come up with any energy after last night's game. It was just kind of a lethargic game, especially in that first half. And here's the thing that I truly don't understand. Here's here's what I have the most issue with in tonight's game. In, in the end, would I have loved to see the Kings beat the Los Angeles Clippers? Of course. Do I want to see the Kings give up 131 points and, and be as poor defensively as they were tonight? Absolutely not. Do I think they're better than this? Yes, we've seen it so far this season. And I'm not forgiving how poorly they played tonight. I just kind of understand it and I accept it. And reality is, like, from a for perspective of if you were to decide, hey, in these two back-to-back games, which game do you want to win and which game do you want to lose? Or if you could choose only one of them to win, everybody would have chosen the Golden State Warriors game, not just because of the in-season tournament implications, but because the Kings have been trying to get over that Warriors hump, right? So there's a silver lining there if you want it. Maybe you don't, but there's a silver lining there if you're if you're looking for something. But what I truly don't understand about the Kings' effort tonight in this second night of a back-to-back is you had De'Aaron Fox, right? Fox played the most minutes on the uh, out of the Sacramento Kings last night against the Warriors. He played 40 minutes. Tonight, he was, with the exception of Sasha Vazenkov, who we'll get into in just a second, like he was kind of the only guy that was that was providing that energy, that was providing that effort. And he was basically saying, look, get on my back, Kings. And he put the Kings on his back. He scored 40 points tonight. Went 14 of 23 from the field. So it's not like he dropped 40 but on a super inefficient shooting night. Sure, he, he, he shot the ball 23 times, but he hit 14 of them. That's not a bad uh, shooting percentage from Fox. Also had five rebounds and three assists. No other Kings player scored more than 15 points. Malik Monk had 15. I think there are only two Kings starters that score double figures. Fox with 40 and DeMontis Sabonis with 11. So what I don't understand is you have Fox who played the most minutes and has so much on him and didn't necessarily play the best offensively. He scored 29 points against the Golden State Warriors, but he admitted, and from us watching, we could tell it just was not a good offensive scoring night for De'Aaron, but he was playing 
uh, high energy or, or high intensity on uh, defense. He was uh, assisting, grabbing rebounds. Like he was doing the little things as well. He was exerting an ener- uh, his energy through that entire 40 minute game. And then he comes back the very next night and drops 40 points against the Los Angeles Clippers. So De'Aaron Fox can do that, which is what you kind of expect from your star. Sometimes the star just needs to carry the team when they're not playing well. Then you have Sasha Vizenkov, who played nearly 16 straight minutes, 15 and a half straight minutes after playing not at all in the first half. He played 15 and a half straight minutes to end that Golden State Warriors game. He comes in with 13 points, which is a career high for him. Five of seven from the field, three of five from three-point range, and five rebounds. So these two guys that exerted a lot of energy the night before come in and and provide that effort and that energy that the Sacramento Kings needed in this game on a second night of a back-to-back. And then you have guys like Chris Duarte, Davion Mitchell, Trey Lyles, JaVale McGee, Harrison Barnes, guys that aren't playing as many minutes as, as Foxes, certainly. Guys who did not play a boatload of minutes the night before who look even more tired or who are slow on the defensive end, who are getting blown by on defense, who are allowing layups, who are shooting their shots short. Again, I don't understand the physical exertion of an NBA back-to-back. But it, it would make more sense to me for the players who played less minutes the night before to be better than the guys who played more minutes the night before. Or at least to look like they can compete and play at the same energy level. It's not really fair for me to expect Chris Duarte to be better than De'Aaron Fox in any game, even if Fox has played 40 minutes the night before and Duarte only played 15 or whatever he did. But I would expect Duarte's energy and, and intensity and effort to be to at least match that of De'Aaron Fox, who played 40 minutes the night before. But that's not what we saw in tonight's game. The Kings were outscored 72-50 to in the first half. Another dreadful first half for them. They fell in a deep hole. You get rid of that first half, the second half for the Kings, they actually won 66-59. to So they were able to create their energy, but kind of a, a case of, uh, of too little too late. So this is a loss that certainly is frustrating. And, and what's interesting is before the game started, Mike Brown was asked about a similar question to to what I've asked him before and what we discussed earlier on in the season, which is kind of sacrificing a bit on the offensive end to improve the defense. The Kings have improved from 26th in the league defensively last year to 21st this year. Still not where they want to be, but, but closer to the middle of the pack, right? Their offense has dropped from first and the greatest offense in NBA history to 10th to start this season. Mike talked about how you there like in order to improve you have to kind of roll the dice a little bit and like he, he thinks that sacrifice is worth it and he understands that at times the Kings not being as good as they they can be and should be on the offensive end and not scoring 130 points like they're capable of he he, he believes that that or understands that that might be frustrating to Kings fans and he understands that might be even frustrating to media members and sometimes even frustrated frustrating to the guys in the locker room so keeping that in mind after the game, I asked Mike about like how not specific not necessarily how should Sacramento Kings fans feel or what how they should react to a bad loss like this on the second night of a back-to-back where the Kings struggled to create energy but how do how does Mike how does his staff how do the Kings approach a loss a loss like this where it's not acceptable they're not happy with it they know they need to improve but they're not overreacting, getting too high or certainly too low after a game like this. Mike gave me a really good answer about that. And immediately after that, you're going to hear De'Aaron Fox, who I asked 
uh, about the um, uh, about having like a, a short um, memory during the NBA season, right? Bad losses, you can't linger on too much. De'Aaron gives an explanation for that. Like, kind of a, a strange question here, but going back to what you said uh, before the game, mentioning the adjustments that you're making, maybe sometimes frustrating fans or frustrating media. For games like this and kind of the ebbs and flows and the ups and downs of the season, what do you want, or not necessarily how should they react to it, but how do you and how does the team and, and the staff react to games like this or the low points when this team is not looking like themselves, I guess? Well, for sure it's going to happen. I mean, you, you play 82 games. Not only do you play 82 games, uh, teams are good in this league, you, you know, and so uh, you're going to have some ebbs and flows. And I said this from from day one, you know, we hope that we can keep trending this way, but the reality of it is it ain't going to happen. You know, we're going to do this and take a step back. Hopefully we don't take two or three steps back. Hopefully if we take a step back, it's just one, and then we start trucking again. So, uh, hey, you know what, our, our fans are, are the best in the league, and they, they got a great feel and understanding of the, of the game, and, and uh, they're passionate. So I'm okay if they're mad, frustrated, sad, whatever it is after – after a loss like this, uh, you guys can't be though. Not at all, but but the fans can, and and you know we get paid a lot of money, and you know we know that the fans appreciate us, so uh, we we have to make sure that we take it when it's when it's bad, just like we do when it's good. Fox, I know 82 games is a long season, full of ups and downs. When you have two games kind of like this, a big win followed by like a tough loss. I guess, how do you balance that or what do you focus more on or, or what do you take from a game like this and what do you forget or accept that that's not who you are, I guess? I mean, you, yeah, you you have to have, you know, short-term memory. You have to, with games like this, obviously you want to know what you what you can do better, but um, obviously when you don't get the result that you want or if you get blown out, you, just, you have to let it go because obviously we have two days in between games here, but uh, usually you probably have a day off and then a, a game right after that, so... Um, you're not able to really just mourn a loss like this. The NBA is constantly going. It's a revolving door of games. And um, obviously you want to learn from, from your losses. You want to learn from your wins. But you can't, you can't dwell on it. You got you to gotta let it go. Because if you don't, then it can continue to stockpile in a five, six, seven losses in a row. And, and when that happens in a season, that, it's hard to turn around. Our partners at eBay Motors have teamed up with Locked On Fantasy Basketball host Josh Lloyd to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week all season long. Whether you're prepping for a daily draft or scouting the waiver wire every week, we're going to provide you with players that are guaranteed to fit on your roster. So let's see who Josh has picked for us on this week's eBay Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week. Five names for you. We're going to talk about two in particular, but those five names are Jade Nivey, Al Horford, Gordon Hayward, Sadiq Bey, and Scoot Henry. We're going to talk about an old guy, and then we're going to talk about a young guy. Let's start with Al Horford. Of course, Al is up there in years, but he's such an important piece for that Boston Celtics team who's currently dealing with a little bit of a uh, an injury issue to Kristaps Porzingis. So with Porzingis out, Al Horford is expected to get more minutes, more opportunity, more touches, and we know whether it's collecting rebounds, protecting the rim, or spacing the floor and hitting corner threes, Al Horford can fill up a stat sheet quickly and can sneakily help you win your week. There's Scoot Henderson, who's finally returning from his injury. It's going to be a bit rocky as he figures out the NBA, of course, and the Portland Portland Trailblazers are not necessarily uh, the, the best of teams, but he's going to get plenty of opportunities in Portland, and that can mean big stat lines on random nights, plus Scoot 
is an incredibly talented player, so it won't surprise me at all if he fills up your fantasy stat sheet. Josh Lloyd from Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to help you win your fantasy championship, and eBay Motors knows that a championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. It's the same thing with your vehicle. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. You can get brake kits, uh, LED lights, uh, roof rack, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time every time or you get your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not burning cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. eBay Guaranteed Fit, only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only, exclusions apply. So I need your help here. After a bad Kings loss on the second night of a back-to-back, in the spirit of the holidays, I need you to help me decide if I'm being too much of a Scrooge or if if I'm if my criticisms of some of these players and, and some of these things about the Sacramento Kings uh, are, are fair or not. So feel free to let me know in the comment section. Am I being a Scrooge or are these criticisms fair? And I'm going to talk about four different aspects of the Kings. Number one is DeMontis Sabonis. Tonight, 11 points. 3 of 12 from the field. 5 rebounds, 3 assists in 30 and a half minutes. DeMontis Sabonis was not good tonight for the Sacramento Kings. Now, on one hand, I'm willing to give Sabonis a pass because he can't be great every single night, right? On some nights, you're going to struggle. Now, the difference between maybe Sabonis and his struggles versus De'Aaron Fox and his struggles, like we mentioned last night against the Warriors, Fox was not looking great offensively, but he made an impact, a major impact in other ways, which helped the Kings win. Tonight, DeMontis Sabonis not only was struggling to score and struggling offensively, he was struggling to assist, he was struggling to rebound, he was struggling to stay on the floor. Sabonis looked like he was the most affected from the second night of a back-to-back. Not an excuse for him, just my observation. So I'm, I'm willing to give him a pass for having a bad game. I mean, it's going to happen every once in a while. But what I'm not willing to give him a pass for is the fact that he was getting worked by Zubats tonight. Like, absolutely worked. Demonis Sabonis is a 10 times better center than Zubats is. Zubats is a solid player. He's a big body, decent rebounder, can score around the rim, but he should not be having as much success as he did against Demonda Sabonis. And I understand Zubats didn't play last night. Demonda Sabonis did. But if there's a, an advantage for Zubats, it should not be as noticeable and significant as it appeared to be in tonight's game. Demondis was completely outplayed by Zubats, who finished with 14 points, 8 rebounds, 3 assists, and 3 blocks. Across the board, Domas was beaten by Zubats. That just can't happen. So I'm not giving him a pass for that. I'm a little frustrated with that performance. I don't think I'm being too much of a Scrooge there. I think that's a fair criticism of of Sabonis. It's fair to expect more. It's fair to expect him to be better and to win his matchup, even if he's not having the best of nights. He doesn't have to have a triple-double every night. He doesn't even have to have a double-double every night. He doesn't have to fill up the stat sheet like we know he's capable of. There are nights that he's just not going to shoot the ball well and is not going to score. Okay, so be it. But don't let your matchup that you're clearly better than beat you as badly as Zubats did tonight. The next one, am I being a Scrooge or no? Chris Duarte, seven points tonight, three of six shooting from the field, three rebounds in 13 minutes. His second straight start, or maybe it was his third straight start, he has started in place of the injured Keegan Murray, who's still dealing with that back injury. It's the second straight game here inside the Golden One Center where he started played minutes at the beginning, has been pulled, and doesn't really come back in. 
like again, only 13 minutes tonight. He did not start the second half. I don't believe he played at all in the second half. Sasha Vazenkov replaced him uh, coming out of the halftime break. My, my thing with Duarte, and again, this might be too scroogey, this might be too harsh, but I know you're filling in for an injured starter in Keegan Murray. So those are tough shoes to fill, and Duarte is not as big as Keegan, plays a different position than Keegan. So I wasn't expecting, like, a, I'm not expecting him to one-to-one fill the shoes that Keegan leaves empty and leaves behind with his current injury. But we've heard about Duarte's ability as a shooter, his ability as a two-way player, his ability as a defender. You're not making any kind of impact on the offensive or defensive side of the ball. Like, I'm not saying that he's not trying and that he wasn't playing with energy. In fact, sometimes he's playing a little too physical and gets in foul trouble, which he did a better job of that tonight. I think he only finished with two fouls. Of course, again, he only played 13 minutes. But if you're not going to be impactful on the defensive end as a starter and you're not going to be impactful on the offensive end, why are you playing? Why are you starting? Again, I understand Mike's unwillingness to bring Malik Monk into the starting lineup and advance him into the starting lineup. Mike loves Malik's position with the bench unit. And there, I've argument, argued for that and against that. Like, I understand it. I understand that decision. I'm not saying Malik Monk has to start over Chris Duarte, although I think a lot of you would feel that way and do feel that way. But I'm saying that if you're going to get the opportunity to start, it doesn't even matter. If you're going to get the opportunity to play, especially on the second night of a back-to-back when you haven't played heavy minutes the night before, you need to make more of an impact than Chris Duarte has and than Chris Duarte did. Scrooge or fair? This one is not an individual. This one is a team thing. The Kings, when they are tired, they result to just chucking three-pointers. And it's very obvious, very obvious. Tonight, 13 of 41 from three-point range, 31% from beyond the arc. They just settle far too much with shots on the perimeter because it's, they're, they're easier shots to take, right? Now, the Kings are capable of knocking down those shots, of course, at a high clip. We've seen it before this season. And when they're knocking down those shots, they're incredibly difficult to beat. But with tired legs on the second night of a back-to-back like we saw tonight, all those threes are coming up short, You can't just keep settling and keep chucking all night long and expecting the result to be different when you're not shooting the ball well. A couple guys had decent nights from uh, from three-point range. For the most part, as a team, Sacramento really struggled. And when the Kings were attacking the paint, it mainly came from De'Aaron Fox, who was doing a good job getting to the rim, but, but the Kings attacking the rim was linear, and a lot of times it was coming off of isolation. It wasn't cutting back door, it wasn't cutting off the ball, it wasn't coming off of pick and rolls and getting downhill, and certainly there was no uh, spraying like Mike Brown wants or paint touches and kickouts to the perimeter. There was not good rotations and movement on the perimeter. Mike Brown calls it reversing, where the ball is going one way and then it switches and goes the other way to keep a defense moving and finally a hole and exploit that hole and score, whether it's at the rim or getting an open shot from three-point range. That is the Kings offense. Might have sound like I just threw a million things at you at a million words per minute, but that is how the Sacramento Kings, that's the pillar of their offense. That's how they expect to play. And when they are, that takes a lot of energy to play that way. When they are tired, they get lazy. You don't see that perimeter movement. You don't see that cutting. You see one guy just attacking the basket, which it's easy for defenses to, 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 to stop that, to step in front of that. It's easy for one or two defenders to step into the lane 
lane and help defend a De'Aaron Fox or a Malik Monk when they're attacking and getting downhill. And everybody else is just standing on the perimeter waiting for the kick out. And then either late in the shot clock, they have to chuck up a three or they just settle for a three at any point during the possession because that's the easier shot to take than trying to attack the rim and getting physical on the inside. I know this Kings team is a good three-point shooting team. I know they're more than capable from the perimeter. So I'm not saying, hey, stop shooting threes. That's ridiculous. But the Kings settle far too much for three-point shots when either they're tired or just the, the, the game is not going well for them. And I think that is a habit that they need to break. This last one is definitely me being a Scrooge. 100%. You don't even need to answer the question for me. I know it's being a Scrooge. I am a curmudgeon when it comes to the Sacramento Kings and their colors. Those of you who have listened to the Locked on Kings podcast, you know this. If this sounds like complaining to you, that's because it is. Purple is the Kings' color. I understand the blues and reds of the history and the uh, the Rochester days and the Kansas City days before they came to Sacramento. The Kings' color is purple. Now, I understand wanting to do throwback jerseys and City Edition jerseys, even though I think the City Edition jerseys should reflect the city and the change when you came to this city and not the old cities that you used to play for. I've been on that soapbox before. You might be able to see the court behind me. It's a little bit faded, but it's different from the play-in tournament court. Now, I get the play-in tournament court being different with the gray and the blue, and everybody's court was different. A lot of them sucked. The Kings one was okay. I didn't really like it. I ranted about that before. Here the Kings are with a different court to support their City Edition dark blues, which a lot of people really like. I, I think they look clean. I think they look nice. Here's my problem. See those colors back there? You uh, And for audio listeners, in case you didn't know, the paint is red. The Kings Lion logo in the middle is blue. The sidelines are blue and red, and the lines are white. Yeah, I'm talking about the three primary colors for the Los Angeles Clippers. This has no effect on the game at all. But optics-wise, I hate it. I hate it. This You might as well just rolled out the Los Angeles Clippers home floor. Can you play on a playing surface that reflects your team and your organization and not the team that you're freaking playing place? Bah humbug. Today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is also brought to you by FanDuel. As the weather gets colder, the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel right now. New customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. All you have to commit is $5 of your own money. I know, especially around the holidays, money can get tied a little bit, but you can find $5 to, to spend on yourself a little bit. And you can go and find the heaviest favorite that you can possibly find on a money line bet, right? Pick a team that you know is just going to win. Pick that heavy favorite, put $5 down. It doesn't even matter what the payout is because what matters is that $150 in bonus bets that you're going to get when that team wins. That's 150 bucks that you can use on spreads, player props, over-unders, and more for NBA games, NFL games, all sorts of professional sports, fun prop bets and side bets, future bets on who's going to win the NBA in-season tournament, who's going to be the NBA champion, who's going to be the NBA MVP, who's going to make it to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl, who's going to win the coin flip at the Super Bowl. There's so many fun ways to bet at FanDuel, and you can have $150 in bonus bets for you to make money and have fun without having to worry about the risk of losing. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Kick off the NFL season with FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. So really quick, before we wrap up, one of the things that I want to see more of from the Kings is the Sasha Vizenkov, Trey Lyles 4-5 front court. 
We talked a lot about during the offseason when the Kings acquired Sasha, or we knew, we knew that Sasha was coming over. It's like, okay, how, how do the Kings figure out how to get the two of them to play together? Because Sasha's a EuroLeague MVP. Surely he has to play, right? And Trey Lyles is a perfect fit in his role for this team. Surely he has to play, right? Well, they're two kind of similar players in terms of position, but can the Kings get away with going small, playing Trey Lyles at the five, having Sasha Vizenkov play the four? Offensively, the floor spacing is beautiful, should work perfectly in Mike Brown's system, should work great with someone like De'Aaron Fox or Malik Monk on the floor with them. But defensively, how's that going to look? defensively, is that going to be bad? Now, this is kind of a weird thing to talk about on a night like tonight where the Kings defensively were not good. Trey Lyles really struggled defensively tonight, too. Sasha Vizenkov has been a lot better defensively than I thought he would be. He's looked a whole lot better. He still makes mistakes, had a couple of block shots tonight, but is doing a much better job defending with his legs and with his body and not just swiping with his hands. He's making the right decisions. You can tell that he's played basketball for a long time, and even though the NBA game is different, a different speed, different skill level, and things like that, like you can tell that he naturally has good basketball instincts that, for the most part, put him in the right place. Defensively, he's been better than I expected. And in the limited stretches that we've seen, now Trey Lyles hasn't been healthy for, for very long, so hopefully we'll see this more going forward, but in the limited stretches that we've seen Lyles and Vizenkov on the floor together, it's looked good for the Kings. In fact, going back to last night's win over the Warriors, I think it was a lineup that involved Sasha, Trey, I think Sabonis was with them, and Fox and Monk. It was that lineup that really helped make that comeback happen. So I want to see more of Sasha Vazenkov in a Trey Lyles front court. Sorry, JaVale McGee. He's just not cutting it. He's not doing his job. As great of a rim protector as he should be, and as fun as it is to see him go way up high and catch Malik Monk lobs for alley-oops, he doesn't provide as much to the Sacramento Kings as I think Vazenkov and Lyles together would, will, and have. And then... Of course, Alex Len is dealing with the injury that he's dealing with. So I want to see more of Zenkov and Lyles. Well, the Sacramento Kings, after these back-to-back -back games, do have a couple of days off to rest and prepare. They will have the defending champion, Denver Nuggets, here inside the Golden 1 Center on Saturday. And then on Monday, Kings and Pelicans, the NBA in-season tournament quarterfinals. If the Kings win that game... Viva Las Vegas, they're going to Sin City for the semifinals. If they win that game, then they play the championship game. If the Kings go to Vegas, that means I will be going to Vegas, and I'm very excited about that. And Hopefully, Kings fans will make the trip out to Vegas here uh, in early December to come watch the Kings play. Of course, they have to win on Monday to get there before they get to that. They can't be looking too far ahead because the defending champs, Nikola Jokic, that team which the Kings beat on this floor last season, they're coming into town, and it's not going to get any easier for Sacramento. The general consensus, or the general belief amongst conversations that I've had here, is that Keegan Murray will be good to go. He practiced a couple days ago, was kind of a participant in shoot-around before the Warriors game. The Kings don't have shoot-around on the second day of back-to-backs, so... Keegan still is dealing with the lingering back in uh, injury and, and back issue... Hopefully he will be ready to go and ready to return because the Kings definitely could have used him tonight, not just for the offensive side of things, but the Kings definitely could have used him guarding Kawhi Leonard because the Kings had no answer for Kawhi Leonard tonight. Um, 
So hopefully Keegan's back. Expectations are as of right now that he likely will. And it's good that the Kings have two days off between now and then so that he can hopefully come back. But if there's any news and any information that comes out about that, of course, I'll provide that for you, whether it's on the Locked on Kings podcast, on my Twitter, at Matt George Sack. Keep an eye out for that uh, because as soon as we know, we will tell you. I appreciate your support here of the Locked on Kings podcast. Uh, appreciate all of you who came to the game today, who said hi. It was great meeting you. I'm sorry the circumstances of the game weren't much better, but hopefully the Golden One Center will be, will be popping as the Kings dethrone the defending champs here in Sacramento on Saturday. Cannot wait for that game. Cannot wait for that night. If you're going to that game, let me know. Hit me up on Twitter at MattGeorgeSack. Email me MattGeorgeSports at gmail.com. And uh, leave your comment section or leave your comments in the YouTube comments down below uh, and let me know if you're going. I'd love to set up an opportunity to be able to chat with you and, and, and say hi and thank you uh, for listening to the podcast. So many of you are sending me your Spotify raps showing that the Locked on Kings podcast is your number one or in your top five of podcasts listened. Keep sending those to me. They truly make my day. Thank you so much to all of my Spotify listeners out there. Of course, you YouTube watchers, you've been incredible. The numbers on YouTube have been awesome over the last couple of weeks and let's keep that train going. Appreciate you so so much can't wait to have you join me on the next episode i should have an episode between now and the uh the denver game so keep an eye out for that until then my name is matt george you've been listening to locked on kings part of the locked on podcast network